Mother's Day. Um, before we start, I wanted to let you know that we do have a little gift for all the mamas here today. All the ladies, um, we'll hand it out to you at the end of service on your way out. Um, my message today is not specifically for the moms, but I hope that it does bless you and that it blesses everyone else in here as well. Uh, today we're going to be continuing our journey through the book of John from the Bible. Over the past few weeks, our church has been digging a little bit deeper into Jesus' final days on earth, his last times on earth. Um, yeah, and I'm very excited about today's passage because it's about breakfast. And I don't know about you, but I am a huge fan of the morning meal. I love all breakfast foods. I love having breakfast for dinner. Um, I think bacon is a great addition to any meal. Uh, yeah, so I just, I generally love breakfast, and I'm really excited to do, delve into this breakfast story with you this morning. Um, another cool part about this text is that we actually have a piece of artwork out in the lobby made by someone who came to this church um, depicting this story. It's really beautiful, so you can check it out after the service. Would you please stand with me if you are able as we read the Word of God together? Now, if you don't have a Bible, we would love for you to have one, so we have some on the back table there. You can borrow them today or even take them home. It's really important to us that you have the Word of God in your hands, so feel free to grab one if you need it. Uh, today we're reading from John chapter 21, uh, verses 1 to 14. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and, caught, and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord! As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there, with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. God, please bless the reading of your word. May it go deep into our hearts and teach us more about you. Amen. You can be seated. My kids really like when we read a story and then kind of tell it over again in our own words. So I'm going to do that this morning and give a little bit of background as well. Um, and I also really like to look at artwork um, depicting Bible stories. I think it's really interesting how different people in God's family imagine the stories for themselves. So as I kind of break down the story, you can look at these pieces of art that I found online and thought they were really beautiful. 
Um, so before this story starts, before what we read today starts, the disciples have seen Jesus a couple times since he rose from the dead. But they're kind of in an in-between time. They're not totally sure what the future holds. Jesus had told them some things about what life would look like and what they'd be doing, but none of it has happened yet, and so they're kind of confused, kind of in limbo. So they go fishing. We don't know if maybe that's something Jesus told them to do or if they were just kind of biding their time waiting for further instruction, but either way, they're fishing. And after a night of fruitless, or rather fishless work, they are discouraged, and they hear a voice from the shore asking them how it went. They don't know who it is, but they say, no, we haven't caught anything. And the voice gives them a suggestion. Throw your net on the other side, and you'll get some fish. The disciples obey the unknown voice, and a miracle happens. They catch a huge haul of fish. I don't know if haul is the correct fishing lingo, but I also didn't know if 153 is a boat load. I don't know. So haul it is. They caught a lot of fish. And with the, re- with the miracle of the fish comes the recognition that the voice they heard is actually the voice of God. The one that they call the beloved disciple realizes that the man on the shore is Jesus. And he tells the other disciples. And we know from other stories in the Bible that Simon Peter was a passionate guy. He often acted on a whim, and he did that again today. He heard it was Jesus on the shore, and he jumps right into the water to go to him. And as the boat comes into the shore, the disciples see there's a meal ready for them, and their Lord Jesus is inviting them to eat with him, inviting them to breakfast. And Jesus asks them to contribute some of the fish from the catch, which I thought was interesting. Maybe he wanted them to actually taste the miracle that he had done for them. And Jesus shows up in such a way that they don't even need to ask who he is. They can tell that it's Jesus. Now this event is one of the last times the disciples are going to lay eyes on Jesus. It will be one of their last memories of him. And it seems to me that Jesus wants to leave them with a fresh memory of his provision. He does that in two different but powerful ways. He provides for them in both an extraordinary way and an ordinary way. He does the miraculous, and his provision covers their everyday needs. So today, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about God's great provision in this story, and what that provision can look like in our own lives. Jesus provides in an extraordinary way by providing the miraculous catch of fish. He appears out of nowhere. He knows where the disciples are. He knows what they're doing. He knows they haven't caught anything. And he reveals his authority over all creation by directing 153 large fish into their net. By show of hands, who would like to catch 153 large fish? I've never been fishing, but I imagine that would be pretty cool. (laughs) Jesus also reminds his disciples that his way is the best way. They are the expert fishermen, but he is the one who fills their nets beyond their own abilities. The net is so full, all of those men couldn't even pull it into the boat. I'm sure that the catch of fish was a blessing not only to the disciples, but also to their families and the community. It provided food and income for them and the others in their lives. In one moment, Jesus appears, rescues them out of a fruitless night of work, and provides a successful catch. I think this miracle probably reminded the disciples of the many other times that Jesus had provided food for them. Like the time we hear about in the book of Luke, where they were also fishing, and Jesus said, try casting your net just one more time, and you'll catch some fish. And they did, and it was so much fish that their nets were actually breaking. Or about the time that I'm sure we've all heard of, 
where he takes a little boy's lunch of fish and bread and he multiplies it to feed 5,000 people with leftovers. I wish I could make leftovers that easy. They're always good. But yeah, Jesus has provided in many extraordinary ways and he does it again for them on this morning by the lake. Not only that, he also provides for the disciples in a very ordinary, everyday kind of way by cooking a meal for them. He is fully God. We know that Jesus is God. Come to earth in human form. Fully God, but he knows what it's like to have a physical body. He knows what it's like to feel hungry and to feel tired and to get hurt. He greets the disciples with a warm breakfast and provides for their basic physical human needs in an intimate and comforting way. The Lord of the universe serving them breakfast. Breakfast at our house is a very, very long affair. I have four kids. They're ages seven, five, two, and one. So to picture it, that's two kids in high chairs, two kids to get to school in the morning. And morning time, they have a huge appetite. They can just eat and eat and eat. The little two even keep on eating after the older two leave for school. So that being said, I had a lot of time this week to reflect on the morning meal. Um, and I know it's a Mother's Day, so I feel like I need to share a story about my mom. But in my house growing up, breakfast was my dad's thing. He's one of those morning people. I'm not. But he's one of those morning people where he just hops out of bed, cheery, ready to take on the day. I did not inherit that lovely part of him. But he did pass down a love for breakfast. Um, and since it's Mother's Day, I will share a couple things my mom passed down to me. She passed down a love for reading, um, a love for teaching my kids about Jesus, and a love for sleeping in. <laughs> but breakfast was my dad's thing. He seriously made a hot breakfast for me and my three siblings every day before school. I would wake up groggy and sleepy and miserable, but I could count on coming out of my room and sitting down to a meal made by my dad. That was a provision of his that I could count on, and that was really comforting to me. I think it was probably a very warm and special memory for the disciples as well, that Jesus made them breakfast on that day. I think Jesus wanted to show the disciples that he cares for them. He cares enough about their work to provide a miracle. And he cares enough about their human needs to make them breakfast. He is able to provide for them in every area of their lives, in an extraordinary miracle and an ordinary meal. And I think that's what the writer of the book of John wants us to remember about Jesus too. Jesus provides for us in a personal way. He cares about our work. He cares about our human needs. He cares about our families. He knows each and every one of us deeply. He knows our desires. He knows the special way to your heart. And he knows how to provide for you in your life. Last weekend at the women's tea that we had, um, Miss Kathy shared a story. I don't know if you've seen Miss Kathy. She's a wonderful lady. She always wears very fancy, awesome hats to church. Um, and she shared an amazing story about God's practical, some of the practical ways that Jesus has provided for her. And she gave me permission to share one of those stories today. Um, but if you do get the chance, I would really encourage you to chat with Miss Kathy. She's had some very amazing experiences with God, and she just tells them in such a beautiful way. Um, but here's the one story for today. When Miss Kathy's husband was alive, he had been telling her for ages that she needed to learn how to use the computer so that she could do it herself if she ever needed to. But Miss Kathy was not ready to learn, and she kept pushing the tutorial back and back and back. But her husband passed away, and afterwards, Miss Kathy found herself sitting at her computer, 
not knowing how to use it and not having any other option but to use it. So, she's a great woman of faith, and she prayed. She said, Lord, you are the Lord of all, and I know that that includes computers, so please help me. And you know what? She felt God telling her every button to click on, guiding her through the whole process, every step of the way, until her task was completed. That touched me so deeply when I heard it, and it touched her so deeply. It showed her... That Jesus cares about her. He loves her and he knows exactly what a Miss Kathy needs. He provided for her in such a personal way in an ordinary, everyday task. This is the kind of personal and powerful God that we have. Jesus wants to provide for you too. He wants to show up in such a way that you can recognize him just like the disciples did. He is powerful and longs to meet all your needs, your big, unimaginable, crazy needs, and your ordinary, everyday, basic needs. There have been many evenings where I am at my wit's end. I am tired, and the day just seems to be going on and on and on forever, and dinner was crazy, and the house is a mess, and the kids are standing before me, very cute, but also very sticky and very tired, and they need a bath, and they need to go to bed, and I have to ask Jesus just to be with me. And the truth is, I often forget to ask him. And those nights do not go well. I end up being mean and impatient and grumpy. And my poor little cuties go to bed feeling sad and stressed out. But when I do ask Jesus for his help, he answers. He gives me his presence. He provides me with his presence. And somehow, I make it through the next couple hours. I look at the clock and realize, oh, bedtime's over. It didn't go so badly after all. And I can even, you know, go through it without hurting anyone's feelings or losing my patience. The kids miraculously get along. It's great. He carries me and the kids right through to bedtime, blessing us and providing us with the fruit of his spirit, maybe love and patience on that night. And that is miraculous and practical and reminds me that Jesus cares about my job as a mother. And he cares about my kids enough to protect them from my sinful nature. And to be honest, sometimes the answer to my prayer isn't an easy carefree bedtime. Sometimes that's not what he provides. Sometimes he just provides his peace, covering me and the crazy swirls all around, but inside I can feel calm and I can feel that he is with me through it all. If you need Jesus to provide for you in a special way so that you can know it is him and know that he is actually with you, he can do that. Nothing is too important or not important enough for him to provide. I know that we can go through our days and feel like we don't hear the voice of Jesus. Maybe you're just putting your head down, getting through the work, but you're not having much success. You're weary and tired, and there's no fruit for all your efforts. You need a miracle from Jesus. Your way is not working, and you need him to show you his way. Need you, to give, needs, you need him to give you some divine instruction, just like he gave the disciples in the boat. Or maybe you have been hearing his voice. You kind of been feeling that pull at your heart. You kind of know what it is that he wants you to do, but you're not obeying his voice. Maybe you're scared of what will happen if you do things his way. Maybe you're afraid that his provision will not be enough for you or not be what you're looking for. But let me assure you that Jesus' provision is always available and always exactly what we need. He knows our needs before we even ask. He already knew where the disciples were. He already knew they hadn't caught anything. He knew they were hungry, and he knew exactly what they needed. And he knows that about you, too. He knows where you are. He knows what's frustrating for you. He knows what you need. He knows what kind of state you're in. 
and he knows the best way to provide for you, the way that is best for you. I hope that we can respond to Jesus' voice and to his provision like the disciples did. I hope that, like the man who they called the one Jesus loved in the story, when he saw the miracle, he said, that's Jesus. I hope that we can do that too. I hope that when we receive God's amazing provision, we can realize that was Jesus. That was God working on my behalf. There's no way I could have done that by myself. That was definitely God. I hope that we can do that. And I hope that, like Peter, we can be willing to just jump in the water and go to Jesus as quick as we can, excited and eager. I hope that we can come to him in our need. Come to him with gratitude when he does provide. And come to him with great expectation that he can do what it is that we need. How do we come to Jesus? How do we get to him? We come to him through prayer. And just so you know, not every prayer has to be prayed in a quiet room. With an hour set aside, I don't have any prayers like that right now in my life. Maybe one day when all my kids are moved out. But right now, that's not what prayer looks like for me, and that's okay. Prayer is a conversation with God, and it can happen continuously. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. It means we can just be chatting with God throughout our day. This is something I'm really trying to work on, this including Jesus and remembering that he is right beside me. I can talk to him throughout my day. Just saying, Lord, I'm tired. Please give me energy. Lord, thank you for that parking spot. Lord, why is my baby not sleeping? What's going on? Lord, help. That's a, just a great prayer. Lord, help. That's all we need to say. Lord, help. And the next step of prayer is to actually listen, to stop the talking and listen and see what God has to say. Maybe he has an instruction. Maybe he's going to give you an instruction like he did for the disciples, and you'll see a miracle at the other side. Or maybe he just wants to say something nice, something encouraging, like he loves you and you're doing a great job can be really encouraging and just turn the whole situation around just to know that God is with you. Maybe he'll just whisper, I'm here, I'm beside you. But we got to listen. we got to ask and also listen to hear what he has to say. And the next step is to obey. When we do hear the voice of God, we have to obey it. The disciples saw a miracle on the other side of their obedience. I pray that we would listen to and obey the voice of our God as well. Before we all scatter to our different areas of Oceanside and our different needs and our different jobs and our lives, um, we're going to sing a song that I love called In Christ Alone. And this song is a beautiful reminder to me that everything I have and everything I need is found in Jesus. He has provided for our life. We have life because of him. He has provided for the forgiveness of our sins by his death on the cross. He's provided a heavenly home for us. When Jesus rose from the dead, he said, I'm coming back for you guys. I'm going to take you home to heaven with me one day. And he provided his Holy Spirit to us. Even though Jesus is not physically here on earth as a person anymore, he left behind the Holy Spirit, a helper, to connect us to him. We can talk to him. We can hear from him. The Holy Spirit helps us to live our lives in a way that's pleasing to him. In Jesus Christ, we can find everything that we need everything we need to be satisfied, and everything we need to live a life that is truly honoring to God. In Christ alone, we have been, 